chapter 4 tonight, Revelations chapter number 4 tonight. And uh, Bailey has, uh, Bailey and Cody has their uh, baby share this uh, Sunday from 2, two to 4 uh, up in the fellowship hall. And uh, so remember that. If you can't go by, get them something, leave it, whatever. And uh, let them know, give them, let them know you're praying for them. Brother Grady will be here, Lord willing, Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. I told him in the prayer room I was afraid he was going to cancel on me because the governor shut down the lighthouse. But maybe, maybe they'll still be doing carryouts. I don't know. He liked that lighthouse. All right, Revelations chapter 4. Uh, tonight we went through chapter 1, 2, and 3, got through all the letters to the churches. And uh, let me read the chapter 4. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I'll show thee things which must be hereafter. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight, like unto an emerald. Round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thundering and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. The first beast was like a lion, second beast like a calf, third beast had a face like a man, fourth beast was like a flying eagle, and the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. And they rested not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sit on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sit on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and casteth their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are created. Father, we ask You to add Your blessings tonight to the reading of the Word of God, and now the uh, teaching of the Word of God. Open our hearts uh, up to receive it, close our minds up from the uh, distractions of the world and the problems and things we may have to deal with today and may be waiting for us when we get out. But uh, we pray you'd open our uh, hearts up to the Word of God tonight, close our mind to the things of the world, and uh, I pray we can leave tonight feel like and it's, uh, it's been a blessing to come to the house of the Lord and know what it means when it says to gather together and encourage and provoke one another unto love and good works as we see the day approaching. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. amen. All right. Well, the first two words... In chapter 4 says, after this, after this. Whenever the Bible starts a chapter out and says, after this, 
you always need to look back and see what it is after. And uh, so we know the after this has got to do with what? The church age. All right, the church age is closing out in verse number 22. And he said, After this I looked, and behold, a door was in open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Circle it, three words, come up hither, come up hither. That's important, uh, three words there in the book of Revelations, because those words are only found three times in the Bible. There's three times in the Bible that the Bible says, come up hither. Uh, the first time is in Proverbs uh, 25, uh, Proverbs 25 and verse uh, 27. Proverbs 25 and verse 7 is the first time we find it. And remember where that's at. That's in the Old Testament. And he said, uh, For it is better that it be said unto thee, Come up hither. The next time uh, we find that word is in uh, where we found it uh, reading here in verse 1, Revelations 4 verse 1. The Bible says, Come up hither. The last time that we find that phrase is in Revelations 11, uh, kind of in the middle of the book there in Revelations chapter 11. And we find those words there in Revelations 11 verse 12. And the Bible says, uh, uh, And after three days and, half, and a half the Spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and a great fear fell upon them that saw them. In verse 12, And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. Now, that's significant that the Bible only mentions that three times. And in each time it has to do with a resurrection. Uh, the first time we find it is in the Old Testament. Proverbs 25. We read it there a minute ago. That symbolizes a resurrection of Old Testament saints. That took place in Matthew 27. Matthew 27. The Bible says, uh, And behold, verse 51, Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top of, to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Notice verse 53. And came out of the grave after His resurrection. Nobody came out of the grave until after His resurrection. So we have a resurrection of the Old Testament saints. The next time we have a resurrection is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where the Bible uh, says there in verse 13, Paul said, I would not have you to sorrows, others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, even those which sleep with Jesus will God bring with him when he comes. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive remain, shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That takes place... The first resurrection of the Old Testament saints took place when after Jesus died on the cross. 
the second resurrection, uh, as it's mentioned here, they're all the first resurrection. But the next time we read it is at the rapture of the church. When the Lord comes and He's going to rapture all those that got saved during the church age, He's going to resurrect all of them at the rapture. The last time that we read it, and remember that Revelations is not necessarily always in chronological order. The last resurrection, the first one is Old Testament saints. Second one is church saints. Third one is tribulation saints. And that takes place right at the end of the tribulation when the Lord Jesus comes. Uh, it's when that takes place. Uh, so there's three. Now, uh, let me just take a minute to go to 1 Corinthians 15 since I've said that. In uh, 1 Corinthians 15, which is a resurrection chapter, that's what Paul's talking about. But look at verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of those that slept. See, Christ is the first fruits. Other people were resurrected before Christ was, but they all died again. He's the first one to ever be resurrected that didn't die again. He ever liveth. So he's the first. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so uh, in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. There's an order to it. Old Testament saints, church age saints, tribulation saints. Now look what he says here. Christ the first fruits, afterwards they that are Christ that is coming. You can remember it by your garden. When you plant your garden, you have first fruits. There'll be one or two tomatoes come on. That's your first fruits. Then, long about uh, July, around in there, they all start getting ripe. You pick them, can you tomatoes? That's the main harvest. That's the main harvest. That's And then lastly, right before the frost comes, you go out there and you're able to find one or two. That's gleanings. That's a picture of the resurrection. Old Testament saints, first fruit. Church age, uh, main harvest. Tribulation, gleanings. Gleanings of those that are left. Uh, so that's significant that, it, that that is mentioned three times. Uh, three times there. And in Deuteronomy 6.16, we won't go there, but in Deuteronomy 6.16, there were three feasts that the Jews celebrated that represents those three resurrections. And uh, you can study that out maybe later on. So whenever a chapter starts with... Uh, uh, after this, we need to look back and see what it is. And what it is, it's the church age is what is after this. And then uh, uh, John said, uh, uh, Behold, uh, he said, uh, And immediately I was in the Spirit. Behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one set on the throne. But back in verse 1, he said, A door was open in heaven. And so uh, Jesus said, I am the door. Uh, that ark only had one door in it. I don't know how many doors heaven has. I know Jesus is the only door, uh, the only way in it. But this verse tells us heaven has doors. 
Doors have to be hung. Jesus was hung on the old rugged cross. Doors are for an entrance. Jesus is our entrance into heaven. Uh, so uh, we're told in John 10, 9, heaven has doors. And we're told in Malachi 3, heaven has windows. Malachi chapter 3 uh, said heaven has windows. And he even tells us how to get them open. He said, uh, verse 10, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, and there may be meat in my house. And prove me now, herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows, plural of heaven, and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Heaven has windows. And uh, that's why that you don't hear it as much now as you used to. Back when I first got in the ministry, you'd hear it some more than you do now. And back, uh, back my pastor's time, you hear it a lot more. But you'd hear people come down ready to die, and they'd talk about seeing things on the other side. Heaven has windows. Uh, Caleb and Amanda probably remember this song. There used to be a song that says, I'm looking through a spiritual window. And I think McCamey's did that, didn't he? And uh, so a lot of people get down dying, and uh, and they get really close to death. Uh, I don't know if they're already transitioning into that uh, glorified body, which will have perfect vision. We don't have perfect vision now. We look through a glass darkly. Uh, but I don't know if they're already transitioning in that body, but people die, and they say they see things on the other side. Well, that ain't just making up, uh, that ain't just a make-up belief. Look in Acts, uh, Acts chapter 7. In Acts, Acts chapter 7, there's a man dying there. And he sees some stuff on the other side. Acts chapter 7 and uh, verse uh, 55, well verse 54, And when they had heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth, but he being full of the Holy Ghost, this is Stephen that was preaching, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Uh, so there's a man, the earthly man, that's down here on earth and he's dying. And as he gets closer to death, he says, I see Jesus. And he's standing up on the other side. Years ago when I was a young preacher, I took a course up the uh, Glasgow Baptist Church under Dr. Curtis Irwin, who I thought was a great preacher, and uh, in my opinion, one of the best preachers ever had up there. But I took a course in under him, and uh, one thing I remember out of all that course, uh, he urged people, and he told us he urged his people that he pastored, that when they get down sick, if there's any way to keep from it, not to take sedatives and morphine and things like that, because he said when you, when you do that, uh, he said it robs you of a lot of things you would see if you didn't take uh, morphine and pain medicine and stuff like that. And uh, so I never did forget that. Uh, but John tells us here that uh, he says us heaven has a, a door. And of course this all pictures the rapture. And uh, if you, uh, I was talking to a preacher one time and he didn't believe the rapture happened here. He believed it happened uh, way on over in Revelations. And I was trying to get him to see, and he couldn't see it. But I don't see how anybody that's got the Holy Spirit in them couldn't see this. 
Because when you take this and line it up with 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13 through 18 that I just got through quoting a minute ago, the Bible talks about the Lord descending with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. Uh, and the Bible said we'd be caught up. John says he heard a voice saying, Come up hither. And he says, Immediately I was in the Spirit. Uh, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, uh, uh, This I say unto you, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither can corruption inherit incorruption. But behold, I'll show you a mystery. We shall not all be changed. Uh, uh, we'll not all sleep, but we'll all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, Paul said, uh, or John says here, I immediately was in the Spirit, and a throne was set in heaven, and one set on the throne. Uh, so John uh, uh, is certainly a type of the New Testament church. Uh, he's loved, and we've been through this numerous times, so I'm not going to go through it tonight, because I think most of you here have got it, how that John was a type of the church in the Bible. And... Uh, He's the type of the church because he's loved with a special love by Jesus. And uh, John always referred to himself, I'm that disciple whom Jesus loved. Well, the Bible said, somebody said, don't Jesus love everybody? Yeah, but he's got a special love for the church. Uh, the Bible said, God so loved the world, but said Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So John's the type of that. Another thing in, the, in the John... 21 that we just uh, studied back in the summer, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 21. Uh, you remember Peter's talking to the Lord, and he looks around and he sees that disciple whom Jesus loved, and and he asked the question, said, uh, "What's he going to do?" And Jesus said in verse 22, Jesus said, "If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow me." Look at verse 23. Then went the saying abroad among the brethren that the disciples should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come. We'll see how that verse is fulfilled. John's tearing on the island of Patmos. And he sees Jesus come in the revelation. Uh, John does die, but before he dies, he sees Jesus come in this revelation. He said, behold, every eye shall see him. And uh, he talks about that uh, throughout the book. Uh, so John uh, stayed around until uh, Jesus come. Now, uh, I said the rapture will be immediately. Uh, it'll be so fast. Uh, the Bible says in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. The General Electric Company has estimated the time of the twinkling of an eye or the time of a moment is one, 11 one-hundredths of a second. 11 one-hundredths of a second. You say, how fast is that? That's fast. That's fast. Uh, I don't know how fast the twinkling of an eye is, but uh, it'll probably even be faster than that, probably. Well, the first thing John sees when he's caught up, the first thing he sees is a throne. Is a throne. And uh, he sees this throne, and, and let me say this, while it is a throne, don't think of it as just being a, what he sees is just a, a throne, because there's a throne room. It's a throne room, and the, and the throne is in the room. This room is gigantic. You say, how do you know? Because 
uh, all the people get in there. Uh, it's a huge room. It's the throne room. Uh, John, uh, he says, uh, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper, sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Uh, so he sees, uh, he sees this throne. Now, the best thing about this is he sees this throne and it ain't empty. He sees this throne and it's occupied. And you can go all the way over to the end of the book, Revelations 20. You see the throne again and it's occupied. Now, this ought to be worth your trip out tonight to remind you. I know you already know it, but to remind you, God's still on the throne. Amen. God's still on the throne. He never has been dethroned, though he's been though it was tried by the devil. He's tried to dethrone him, uh, but God is still on the throne, and He's still occupying the throne. Now, the Bible said John uh, he he sees one sitting on the throne. And uh, this may be, uh, this may be the Lord Jesus, because we know the Bible tells us in different places in the Bible uh, that you can't see God. Uh, God, the Father, God, God is a spirit. Uh, if you look in uh, John, uh, John one and verse eighteen, John one and verse eighteen, the Bible says, "No man has seen God." At any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. Nobody has seen God, but Jesus in human form, God, came down here and He declared Him. He said He is. Uh, he tells us uh, what God's like. You say, well, how do you know what God's like if you can't see Him? Well, look over in John uh, 14, where I preached Sunday, John uh, 14, and uh, Philip asked him, he says, uh, uh, Lord, uh, he said, Lord, uh, show us the Father. And in verse 9, Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. You want to know what the Father's like? He's just like Jesus. Uh, you want to know how he deals with things? Just like Jesus, uh, like like Father, like Son, and uh, so as far as God Himself, we can't really. Uh, I don't think we'll ever really see God. Look in First uh, Timothy, First uh, Timothy six, and verse sixteen. And verse fifteen said, "Which in times He shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords." That's Jesus. Verse 16, Who only hath immortality dwelling in the light, which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power and everlasting. Amen. So, you know, to me, there's some you can read after, and they'll say that uh, we will be able to uh, see him, but uh, in light of those scriptures, I don't think so. Uh, I think we'll, we'll, see him, we'll see him in Jesus. Okay, but John said, he got up there and he said, around the throne 
there was a rainbow around the throne. Rainbow around the throne. Well, when you and I see a rainbow, we've seen a couple this year. Uh, somebody took a picture of one right over the church. And when you and I see a rainbow, we only see half a rainbow. You say, why is that? Because the other half's up there. Uh, the rainbow is a circle, but we only see half of it down here. And uh, the, uh, the rainbow always stands for the fact that when Noah, God sent the flood in Noah's day in Genesis 9, God said, I'll never send the flood again, and I'll put the rainbow in the sky as a sign of, uh, of my covenant with you and God's mercy. So every time you see a rainbow, it reminds us of the mercy of God. And that God said he'll never destroy the world again uh, by water. Of course, it'll eventually be destroyed by fire, but not by water. Okay, uh, the word church is mentioned 19 times up to chapter 4. Uh, 19 times it's church, 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 all the way up to chapter 4. But after chapter 4, we don't read about the church anymore until chapter 22 and verse 16. Why is this? Church is gone. Uh, he's talking about things that are happening on earth, but the church is not on earth. It's in heaven. Uh, it's It's been taken out. Uh, now, I don't know uh, people that uh, teach a church to go through half the tribulation or the church will go through all the tribulation. Uh, I don't see how they can reconcile the fact that the church is mentioned 19 times. That's all he talks about is the church up to chapter, end of chapter 3. And after this, he don't talk about the church anymore. Why? Because the church age has ended, church is raptured, church is in heaven. And what he has to say about them, it'll have to do with, uh, with up there. Uh, okay, he said, Around the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads uh, crowns of gold. And uh, so he sees these twenty-four elders. Uh, it's hard to determine who these are, what they represent. There's several different thought lines on it. Uh, some say that uh, twelve of them represent the twelve tribes of Israel. And 12 of them represent the 12 apostles. So you have the Old Testament, New Testament uh, saints around the throne. Others say that it stands for the old uh, Levitical priesthood. Uh, and so uh, different, different thoughts on that. Uh, evidently they are somehow a representation of the New Testament church. Uh, somehow in there. And... And the Bible says of the New Testament church, the Bible calls us a spiritual priesthood. Over in 1 Peter, the Bible said we're a, we're a, we're a royal generation, a, a, a priesthood of believers. You and I are a priesthood of believers. We don't need a priest because we are a priest. And we, we don't need a priest because we have a high priest and he... According to the book of Hebrews, he has an, an office that will never be changed. He'll never, he'll never die like Old Testament priests. When they die, they'd have to have another one come take their place. But they said this one, this high priest, Jesus, he has a, 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 he has a, 
a priesthood that will never change uh, because he's uh, our priesthood forever. Now notice some things about them. First of all, it says they're setting. You don't find uh, uh, this is about the only place in Revelations that you'll find any, any saints setting. They don't sit long. You say, why, why are they sitting? Why are they not sitting? Well, they're sitting to signify rest. Whenever we sit down, we sit down and say, well, I'm going to rest a minute. Well, their labors are behind them. They do rest from their labors. So they're resting. They're resting. Uh, you say, why are they standing the rest of the way? Have you ever been in a real good service? I mean, a real good service? If you got any God in you, you probably wouldn't sit and you're probably on your feet before it's over with. Uh, and you think, you think about how heaven's going to be. And you think about all the sights there at heaven. And the Bible said they're standing after this. It says they're sitting, which shows rest. And their clothing is white raiment. White raiment. This shows righteousness. These are people that have righteousness. Look over in Revelations 19. And... Listen to what it says. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor unto him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Uh, so this, uh, this white raiment, uh, it represents the fact that we've been justified from our old sins and, uh, and all of that. And then he says... Uh, they had on their head crowns of gold. Crowns of gold. That suggests that they have already been judged and rewarded. They've already been judged and rewarded. The judgment seat of Christ will take place during the tribulation. While they're down here going through the tribulation, the church will be up there going through the judgment seat of Christ. Now in case you're not uh, familiar with the judgment seat of Christ, uh, look in Second Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and here's where we actually get the name of it there in verse 10. Paul's talking to Christians there, and he said, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to what he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, I heard somebody the other day, they saved, they've been in church all their life, they ought to know better. But they was talking about uh, when they stand at the great white throne judgment. You'll never stand at the great white throne judgment. Uh, not to be judged. Uh, you may stand there as a witness. Uh, the Lord may use the church as a witness in some way because the Bible says in uh, 1 Corinthians 6 we're gonna, that we're going to judge angels. You say, explain that. I can't. We'll just have to wait and see how that turns out when we get there. Uh, but uh, no Christian will ever stand at the great white throne judgment to be judged because we have already judged ourselves and already been judged when we accepted Christ as our Savior. Amen. We judged ourselves a sinner. We judged Him a Savior. And every day when we pray and ask God to forgive us of shortcomings, we judge ourselves. Uh, we judge ourselves. So when I go there, I'm not going to this judgment seat of Christ. I'm not going there to see if my good works 
outweigh my bad works so that if my good works outweigh my bad works, I can go into heaven. That's what most of the world believes tonight. We're not there for that. We're there for what we just read there. We're going to be judged not as a sinner We're going to, because we were judged as a sinner at the cross. We're going to be at this judgment seat to be judged as a servant. How have you served the Lord? Uh, look over in the 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3. Paul uh, alludes to this. He said, For we're laborers together, verse 9, with God, and you're God's husband, you're God's building. According to the race of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Another buildeth their own, but let every man take heed how he buildeth their own. For other foundations can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, <clears throat> precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work, Watch it, not of what kind it is, but of what sort it is. What sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built their own, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. See, this is judgment seat of Christ. Nobody's going to hell there. Uh, they may lose all their rewards. They may lose all that, but they're going to be saved by fire. The example of that is Lot in the Old Testament. Uh, Lot lost everything. He lost his family, lost his kids, lost his testimony. He lost everything, but he was saved by fire. He got out of there before the fire fell. And uh, Lot makes a good example of that. So we're all going to the judgment seat of Christ. And uh, you probably heard this. I've heard it all my ministry. People say, well, what difference does it make? You got uh, you got folks that, you know, they're faithful to the Lord. They tithe. They're faithful in church. They try to witness. They try to pray. You got other folks that save. They never go to church. They don't tithe. They don't read their Bible. They don't pray. And uh, and yet they're going to the same heaven we are. So what difference does it make right here? The difference comes out at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I know Jesus, I know we say there's no tears in heaven. There is tears in heaven. You say, we're at? At the judgment seat of Christ. You see, those tears are not wiped away. We talk about till Revelations 21. God will wipe away all tears. That's because all this is over with then. You say, what are we crying about? Because we didn't serve God better. Because we uh, had some rewards and we lost them all. Uh, so you can lose your rewards. You can't lose your salvation but you can lose your reward. Look over in uh, 2 John. 2 John chapter 2 verse 8 or chapter 1 verse 8 Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought but we receive a full reward. You say how how can you lose your reward? Uh, when you quit. When you quit uh, look in Revelations uh, 3, uh, verse 11. 
Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast what thou hast, that no man take thy crown. You can lose your crown. Somebody else can get your crown. Let's talk about those crowns for a minute. Uh, There's five crowns that the Bible tells us about. There may be more that the Bible don't mention, but there's five crowns that the Bible tells us about that we can win as a Christian. Uh, Look in James uh, 1 and 12. I preached from this verse the other day on, on Sunday night. James 1 and 12. Blessed is a man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. All right, so that's a crown for enduring temptation. We're all tempted uh, different ways. We're all tempted, tempted and tried, and oft made to wonder. Uh, but if you endure them temptations, you get a crown for it. You're tempted to quit church. But if you endure that, you get a crown. Uh, you may you may be in, tempted to quit a uh, something you're doing, preaching, singing, whatever it might do might be. Uh, you might be tempted to quit it. Well, if, if you quit, you won't get a crown. You say, "Who gets a crown?" Well, uh, let's use Diane as a illustration. There, she's playing the piano. That's what the Lord's got her doing. She's faithful over that. And so, let's say tonight she gets mad and. Throws a fit and stomps out of the church and says, I ain't coming back no more. Who gets that crown? Remember who comes in there and takes that place? Let's use me for an example tonight. What if I said, I'm tired of fooling y'all. Y'all won't listen to what I say. And I'm done. I'm leaving. I ain't preaching no more. I'm done with this Bible. I'm done with preaching. Who gets them crowd? That crowd. Remember who comes in here and takes my place? So we'd go on and on. Pastor's wife, uh, what, what if we got home tonight and she said, I've, I've had all this I want, I'm out of here. She's out to do it. No, just kidding. She says, I, I'm out of here. And uh, who's going to get that crown? Who, the pastor and his next wife come in here going to get that. You thought I was going to say my next wife, didn't you? I know better than say that or I'll have a crown. <laughs> All right, the crown of life. And then we got the uh, crown of righteousness in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. This is probably the one that uh, most people have a best chance at. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love is appearing. Would you love it if Jesus come tonight, got us out of here, we'd be done with COVID, we'd be, we wouldn't have to worry about how this election's going to go, we wouldn't be worried about a new world order, we'd have a new world order. And, uh, You'd love his appearing. You'd get a crown for that. You say, well, everybody would love for Jesus to come. No, they wouldn't. Not even every Christian would love for Jesus to come. You say, how come? First John, First uh, John uh, chapter 2, verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, 
shall not be ashamed before him at his coming. And some people don't want Jesus to come right now because if he come right now, they'd be ashamed of the way they're living. They'd, they'd be ashamed to face him because of how they're living as a saved person and how little they've served him. They wouldn't want Jesus to come. Okay? Uh, look at 1 Peter 5 and 4. 1 Peter 5 and 4. Okay, uh, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Uh, this is called a crown of glory. And uh, it's connected there in those preceding verses with the under-shepherd and elders and uh, people serving in that capacity. Uh, if they're faithful to it, uh, they'll get a crown of glory. And uh, a lot of people get this one. Look in First Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 19, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19, For what is our hope, this is Paul, or joy or crown of rejoicing, are not ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? Uh, Paul said these people he'd won to the Lord, they were his crown of hope or crown of rejoicing. And uh, so if you won somebody to the Lord, uh, led somebody to Christ, uh, you'll have a crown uh, of rejoicing. And uh, how many did I give you? Four? Okay, the last one you probably don't want. It's in Revelations 2 and 10. Revelations 2 and verse 10. He said, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give thee a crown of life. Martyr's crown. Martyr's crown. Give you life for the Lord. Uh, get a martyr's crown. Uh, okay, I don't have time to, and I really wanted to get into something tonight, but I don't have time. But uh, I do want to jump down to the end of the chapter. You say, well, what difference does it make? Uh, I don't care about a crown anyway. I just want to get to heaven's all I want. Well, if that's your attitude, you probably need some altar work. If uh, all, you're thinking, all you want is to get fire insurance and just get to heaven and Jesus paid it all, let him, I don't want to do nothing. If you've got that kind of attitude, uh, it's not good. But here's why it makes a difference in verse uh, verse 10 said the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sit on the throne and they worship him that liveth forever ever and they cast their crowns before the throne in other words they give their crown to Jesus Amen. Now, I was talking to brother Johnny today we was talking about this chapter and he said you ever hear that message preached to why some people don't want to go to heaven and I said, no, I haven't heard that. He said, sell that chapter there. But he says a lot of people wouldn't like heaven. He said, number one, because Jesus is the supreme authority there. He calls all the shots. A lot of people don't want the Lord ruling in their life. They don't want the Lord ruling in their life. And then uh, 
They wouldn't want to go there because there's some scary beasts there that we didn't get to, but uh, it's a lot in that, and I want to wait till the next time so I can bring it all out. But a lot of people wouldn't want to go to heaven because it's scary sights. And, uh, and I said, yeah, I said, there's another reason too. And he said, what's that? I said, a lot of people wouldn't want to go to heaven because they don't want to share their crown. They want, they want to keep all they got for themselves. But, but when we get to heaven and in that presence, and we see them open wounds, they're still open wounds. You say, how do you know that? Because Zechariah uh, 13 says that when Christ comes back to Israel, that they'll say, what are the wounds in your hands? Somebody said the only imperfect thing in heaven will be the wounds in Jesus' hands. Why are they staying there? Why, why, why aren't they made perfect again? Because every time we look at them, we're going to remind, be reminded all throughout eternity just how much he suffered and what he did for us. And you're saying we're going to give our crowns to him? Yeah, and we'll be glad to, and we're going to be sad because we don't have more to give to him. It's like the little boy that I read about, and uh, he went off to college, and his mother back then, there wasn't no school help. You couldn't get government loans and all that stuff. And his mother, she worked three jobs sending that boy to college. And uh, she was a janitor at uh, school and was a cook at somewhere else and worked a night job. And she worked three jobs to send that boy all the way through college. And he was embarrassed of her. He was, ash he was ashamed of her. And... Uh, when it come time to graduate, he uh, he said, Mama, I said, you don't have to come if you don't want to. He said, I know you work and you're tired and everything. You don't have to come because he was embarrassed for coming. But she came. And she come in and sat down back there on the back. And, and he got the valedictorian thing, a high scholar there. And they come out to present that to him. He looked back there and he saw his mother sitting back there. And he said, I don't deserve this. My mother deserves it. Amen. He said, I want my mother to come up here and receive this. He said, she's worked and suffered and done all that so I could, I could even be here to have this. That's the way it'll be when we get to heaven. We see the Lord. We say, I don't deserve these crowns. Jesus deserves these crowns. You say, what's he going to do with them? You get over in chapter 19, the Bible said he's coming back, and upon his head is many crowns. Lord, we thank you tonight for the revelation, and I thank you for answering my prayer before I taught at least 